Hello, everybody. It's Marcy from wavesofcommunication.com. Welcome to 2021. This year, the theme on our platform is positive action. The information I provide is designed to equip and empower parents and caregivers to take at least one conscious, focused, positive action today toward helping your child shift from nonverbal communication into unprompted spoken language. There's no time like now to make the necessary changes you need to see the success that you want for the late talker in your life. So let's get started. Hello, everybody. Today's topic is really important. We're talking about autism diagnosis. So the reason I decided to pull this topic out is because I'm seeing all across social media how one of the first things that parents tend to do when they are trying to solve the problem of their child's behaviors or in such as late talking, they see things that their kids are doing and they see things that their kids are not doing. And then they want to take some action. And one of the first things that seems to be the trend these days is heading towards autism diagnosis. And today I'm going to talk to you about six strategies that you can use before you go down that route. Now, I know that autism diagnosis is available. Not sure how it's going to be available, especially as, um, you know, restrictions and social media, not social media, but social distancing um, things, um, requirements are happening. And with COVID numbers going up um, and restrictions coming in, at least this spring, it could be very interesting how those diagnosis sessions are going to start looking. So it is important that all of you decide what you're going to be doing um, when you see those things going on. And um, I don't I'm not here to dissuade you from doing anything. In fact, um, I don't like it when people tell me to not do things. What I prefer and what I'm here to help you with today is to give you some ideas of things that you can do. Because yes, these autism diagnosis sessions and appointments are available to parents, but often you have to wait for them. There might be a long waiting list. There might be, like I said, things closed up and those diagnostic appointments aren't even happening. So instead of talking about whether you should get the diagnosis or not, what I'm going to talk to you today about is a little bit about why you can wait. And I'm going to give you strategies, strategies that have helped parents all over the world actually get to the point where they don't need to go and get that autism diagnosis at all because they're learning either what's really going on with their child or they're finding the intervention alternatives that they're looking for just through the strategies that I'm going to talk about today. So let's dig in. By the way, before we do that, just as always, I want to really introduce myself. My name is Marcy Melzer. I'm an intuitive speech and language pathologist and language facilitation consultant. And the reason I know all this is because I've been working with families for 30 years. And I know that parents are the best language facilitators. So I am on a mission to help parents everywhere 
use the tools that I provide to equip and empower you to get the job done, to help your child share their wisdom with the world using spoken language. Because it is possible and probable for all of the families who are watching this to see better engagement and speech and language just with the strategies that I'm going to share on this video before you even go get a diagnosis. All right. The first thing I want to share is that there is no need to hurry any kind of autism diagnosis. Okay. Um, autism, it, it wasn't ASD, the spectrum disorder diagnosis was not even created until 2013. And I promise you, before 2013, there were a lot of people helping children who look just like your child, okay? And there are many, many physical, environmental, and emotional factors that cause symptoms recognized now as autism spectrum disorder. And remember, it didn't even, wasn't even labeled anything until 2013. Now, it's also true that evaluators are biased by financial incentives for labeling more children with autism, okay? So there is potential for a evaluator to be biased and for you to get pressure to hurry up and get some kind of diagnosis because there are people who receive financial incentives for giving out this diagnosis more. And then the other thing you need to realize and recognize to understand there's no hurry about this is that autism diagnosis is not necessary for access to effective infer intervention because honestly the most effective intervention that can happen for your child right now is coming from the person who's watching this video okay if you are a mom or a dad or a caregiver or a grandma you can even share this video with people who you think you who think that you need to hurry, hurry, hurry and go get an autism diagnosis because they can potentially help you with these strategies. And so that's what we're going to get into these six different things that you can do now if you have a, di a diagnosis appointment booked or not to help you through this process because you're trying to figure out what's going on with your child and figure out what to do. These strategies are going to help you do both. All right, let's get into number one. Number one is to decrease your child's exposure to tech, okay? In, it's just no-brainer that the increase of technology and the more a child withdraws into tech, the more they start to manipulate people to get more of it, and they go down the rabbit hole of having a lot more tech time than talk time in their world. And so if you want to see something different, the number one thing you can do is decrease your child's exposure to tech. And here's how you do it. I've even given you step-by-steps for each of these strategies. The first thing you do is plan your day with consistent but limited tech time. So every day at 
2 p.m. or every day after lunch or every day. I wouldn't do it right when you wake up and I wouldn't do it right before bed. But sometime during the day that is consistent for your child, plan your day with a consistent tech time so they know when they get it because it's not like you're never going to give it to them. And you can't go cold turkey negative. All right. So here's the second thing. Eat meals with your child, meaning don't give them a phone to eat their meals with. Eat meals with you. Right. And when you can be a partner for your child, I promise you, you will have a lot more intervention about what they're doing. So you should be eating alongside with your child. This will help you decrease exposure to tech. Your kids should never, ever be eating alone with a device ever, ever, ever. Just make a decision to stop that right now. The next one is to incorporate multi-sensory activities in your daily schedule. So just like you have tech time at 2 p.m. or after lunch or whatever, you also have multi-sensory, meaning let your kids play with water or slime or mud or get dirty. Kids have to get dirty and get messy or have the opportunity to at least explore these ideas every single day. So you got to figure out how to put these things into your life and you're going to replace the multi-sensory exposure from the technology with physical multi-sensory activities where your kiddo can use all of their senses, sight, seeing, hearing, all of it, right? You want to spend more time outdoors. Whenever you're outdoors, you shouldn't have tech unless you're using it to like map quest your way to get somewhere, right? The only way you need access to entertainment when you're looking outside is just to explain maybe what you're looking at. There's no reason for you to be in your phone when you're out in the world. Spend more time outdoors. You'll decrease your child's exposure to tech. The other thing to do is to offer gross motor experiences throughout the day. Get your child up off their booty, laying down, lounging in the bed, holding onto a device. Get them up and moving, doing things. You can't watch a screen while you're jumping up and down and running around. Offer gross motor experiences throughout the day. And involve your child in tasks that you previously used tech to exclude them from. Okay, that means that when you used to give your kiddo the tech, let me pull my screen back, your kiddo used to give him tech while you did laundry or cooked food or, um, you know, did chores, scrubbed the floor, that kind of stuff. If you start to involve your child in those jobs, then you're going to have more exposure. And all of these things replace the tech time with learning time. You're going to learn about your child while you do these things, and you're going to give them what they're getting from the technology while you help them grow real skills. So if your child has a lot of time on tech, this could make a huge difference and literally make your kiddo look less autistic by decreasing their tech time. This is the one major strategy that every single person should do. Okay. And I don't mean that you completely eliminate tech time. It's important for kids to have access to tech, all kids, because the tech is their future. Parents' responsibility is to show kids how to use it well to meet their needs. And that's how you're going to move forward with this. Okay. All right. The second thing that you can do before you get any kind of autism diagnosis is to increase your child's exposure to speech. 
okay? That means to make sure your child is listening to at least two to three hours of humans talking to them every day, okay? If you think about your day, do you get that much time where your child is listening to you talk to them or listening to you talk about them or with other people right in their environment where they are listening? That's the really important part. And then you need to talk to your child. Here's how you get this extra time, right? about what you are doing when you help them. Parents typically want to talk about what kids are doing, um, you know, what they are doing. You are sad. You are happy. You want this. You want that. Instead, talk about yourself. I will get you a cookie. I will give you a hug. Come here. I can help you feel better. I will do this for you. That's how you teach your child what to ask you for. Okay, the things that you will do for them. That's why kids talk to parents. They want to take make you do things right now. Here's something else to increase their exposure to slow speech in full sentences. Don't say single words over and over and over again. Use full sentences in slow speech. Your child can understand. Okay, this is really important. When you expose your child to more speech, right, because they're not getting it from humans because they're getting it on tech or whatever else, it's really, really important that you talk slowly and use whole sentences because when your child is listening to you, you are modeling the speech that you ultimately want them to produce for you, okay? So if your child is late talking, How are they going to learn what speech is supposed to sound like and look like and, and, and what people do while they're talking, right? That's really, really important. Okay, pulling back here because I just wanted to pull that in. Slow speech will help you when nothing else will help you. More slow talking to your child will help your child look differently to you. You'll learn so much more about them because you will learn how to get them to listen, right? You will. All right, now here's the other thing you need to know. You need to talk about your child's problems and their feelings, okay? When you are engaged, when they're showing you behaviors, talk about why they're having those problems, what their drama is, and tell stories. Use slang and make your speech fun and interesting. The goal here is to sound like the things that are attractive to your child, their friends, their videos, grandpa when he made that silly story and it made your kiddo giggle. That's what you want to be, attractive to your child. That's how you get them to listen to you and you get two to three hours of listening time, getting their little brain working. Kids who are looking like they're diagnosed with autism, they should be diagnosed with autism, people talk about that, They appear to process language more slowly, and it's mostly because they're using their eyes more than their ears and their auditory processing. 
doing things and talking about and having this extra speech time with your child is going to light up those parts of their brain that weren't activated. And while they look like they can't do those things, the only real reason that they're not using these new skills is because they haven't had any practice trying to listen because they're too busy hearing the same thing over and over or trying to memorize or answer your questions or do whatever. You just want them to listen to you talking two to three hours a day, nice and slow speech. I promise you, number one, decreasing tech and number two, increasing speech. Those two strategies alone will change your life. Okay. And if you're doing those things already, let's dig in to four more things that you can do, all right? Because there are, there's lots of intervention available and you can do it. Parents are the best language facilitators. All right, number three thing that you can do that nobody else can do actually for your child is focus on their physical wellness, their everyday physical wellness. And then you make sure your child is eating healthy foods, okay? That you're avoiding GMOs, you're avoiding toxins, you're avoiding all the things they put in food now that they didn't used to put in food a long time ago. Um, make sure that your child is consistently eating on their own, feeding themselves, not eating by themselves, eating on their own, meaning with their own hands or utensils. They're using cups and straws and things like that on their own. You're not having to feed them. These are things you can facilitate as a mama. Um, and the other thing is you need to schedule your sleep and rest time. Without tech, your kiddo has to have good sleep to be able to learn and overcome challenges they have in their life. You um, late walkers are often late talkers. So if your child is premature and late walking, you will be focusing on that and helping your child do those skills. They want to get around before they start talking. If you start working on one before the other and your child's motivation is moving and your motivation is sit still and talk, you're going to have problems that your child's going to fight against, okay? So recognize developmental skills. And if you don't know these things, be careful about what you're pushing for. Help your child develop the skills they show you they want to do, okay? Walking, eating, sleeping, always come before talking, okay? Have your child's ears checked for fluid. It doesn't matter how old they are. It doesn't matter why you think they're late talking. Whatever else anybody said, whatever behaviors you have, have your child's ears checked for fluid. Ear fluid is the number one coming and going kind of symptom that can cause kids to look like they have anything from attention deficit disorder to autism, okay? Ear fluid is a big, big culprit. If you haven't had your child's ears checked, this is an easy thing that you can do at the pediatrician's office, okay? And then if you see symptoms, like if your child is consistently unregulated, they're running around, they can't eat, they don't poop well, they're, all of their physical systems are not working well, they are not looking like a well child, then you should pursue holistic 
physical wellness evaluation, okay? For central nervous system. So there's people doing brain mapping with these neurofeedbacks. That's one way to do it. You can really find out what's going on in the brain with this neuromapping. Spinal alignment. There's chiropractors and people who are doing central nervous system alignment things are really helping kids develop overall wellness. Toxicity. There's blood tests, chemical tests you can do to see if your child is having toxins or not. Don't start giving them diets or changing diets without this holistic physical wellness. These, All of these things could be causing problems, but you're not going to do all this until you see your child is really unregulated, looking unwell, right? Digestion is the other one. Lots and lots of research about the gut-brain connection. And if a child is completely and consistently unregulated every day, multiple tantrums, all of that stuff, and you try those first two strategies and things aren't working, then you really need to start looking at your child's physical wellness because physical wellness is the number one blockage to any developmental skill. It's why your child was late walking. It's why they're late doing everything potentially is physical wellness. You always need to go there first as you're doing evaluations. Before you take your child to a neurodevelopmental person to look at a checklist of behaviors, look at their physical body first. With people who are used to analyzing a physical body, not just looking at symptoms and looking at checklists, with real analysis tools, like they use these central nervous system, brain mapping, chemical things where you can see real numbers about your child. And then you work with doctors who can explain these things to you. Okay. Doctors who can help you understand what those numbers mean. Because remember, many evaluators, both in the medical world, holistic, homeopathy, neuro, everything, all these interventions, they potentially are all financially motivated by autism diagnosis because insurance companies and governments and, and nonprofit organizations and grant funding and all this stuff. It relates with that ASD thing, right? So if they need you to get an autism diagnosis because that will fund their services, find out what their services are. Find out what that evaluation is. Get the full. There should be a comprehensive evaluation that you understand exactly what's going on with your child before you invest in that intervention, right? And if you need to, because your child has a physiological problem, then you need to. That's where you put your investment, not in autism diagnosis, but in diagnosis for a physical evaluation. If you've got $1,000 to spend on one and $1,000, because you will, you'll spend $1,000 on this, by the way. If you've got $1,000 to spend on autism diagnosis, use that $1,000 for holistic physiological evaluation with a practitioner who you trust, okay? You can find them. I help... I guide people to them all the time. I meet them everywhere. And every family needs a different situation depending on your child, okay? There are many things to do before you go this autism diagnosis, right? And remember, there are interventions to use that you don't need an autism diagnosis for. You don't need to do all of these high-end things unless your child is really irregulated. I mean, kids who have tantrums all day long. If you do those first two and those tantrums stay, then you need to start looking at physiology. All right.
Let's go. Number three. Oops, we talked about number three. Number four. Self-analyze behaviors, okay? All behavior is communication. So your job as your child's language facilitator and primary interventionist as their parent and caregiver, right, is to understand. And you understand this better than anyone about your child. Excuse me. <clears throat> Have a little drink. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. So you need to understand that all behavior is communication. So your job is to understand what is the message that your child is communicating with this behavior. And you look at these three areas, the physical state. Is your child showing discomfort, illness, or delight, freedom by their physical behavior? You're looking at a behavior. If it's a tantrum, there's probably some discomfort or illness. If it's a smile and a hug and a rub up against you, there's some delight. There's some freedom. I can do whatever I want. I can move freely. I feel good enough to explore and live my life, right? Your child's behavior can tell you about their physical state, okay? It's communication. A lot of physical therapists will tell you this. If they'll look at the way a child moves to see what's wrong or what's bothering them, okay? And it's true about ear infections, too. Your child will show you by their behavior that they are having discomfort in their head. Okay? Look for those things that your child could be communicating something physical with their body. And if that's not what's going on because your child doesn't show any other physical symptoms, maybe it's an emotional reaction that's causing this behavior and if it's a tantrum is your child feeling fight or flight are they afraid of something or feeling oppressed you know like trying to get control back or are they demonstrating that they feel safe and they can be curious about what you're doing and they want to know what you're doing they they aren't feeling any fear from it okay and then you can use that behavior to evaluate this environmental issue, okay? What is causing my child to want to do? What outside influence? Because we look at the inside influence and the outside influence because a boredom and annoyance cause kids to do some behaviors. It causes them to leave, cause them to roll their eyes, it causes them to swat you, right? And a connected, focused child is going to sit near you. They're going to give you eye contact. They're going to hand you things. They're going to bring you stuff. They're going to watch what you're pointing to, okay? When you self-analyze these behaviors, this is what the evaluators are doing to try to find what's wrong with your child. These developmental evaluators, they're doing checklists to see what can't he do? What can he do? Oh, he can do this, but he can't do this. And then all those things they add up that he can't do. Your opportunity, when you observe your child's behavior and you understand the messages that they're communicating is vast, okay? Because you know what's going on. And if it's something that you can help with because it's an outside situation, then you can change it. If it's an inside situation, a physiological, then you need to find a doctor or remedy or whatever like that. And if it's emotional, you can be your child's emotional support because you understand the message. 
because sometimes people will look at a tantrum and that is clearly a sign of distress in a child and they'll start yelling at them because they don't want to hear the tantrum or it's an inappropriate situation or whatever. And that's not going to help your child process and understand these feelings. It's going to make them look a lot more frustrated and wild, and they're going to use more of their nonverbal behavior, bigger nonverbal behavior when they're needing to convey their message. Think about it. It happens on the positive side. If your child is super curious and empowered, they'll climb to the top of the whatever. They'll pull chairs. They'll climb on everything to get to their desired objects. They have no fear. They are focused and motivated, problem solving, getting what they want, right? You know your child is capable of that focus. Understand that their behavior is communicating to you that that is something that you can intervene with. You can work with, with your child. And when you figure out what those behaviors mean, that's when you can turn it into language. So that analysis step is very, very important. Just like you take your child to a holistic doctor who's going to look at every little bit, blood tests and brain maps and you know urine samples, all that stuff they do on the kiddos, you have to use your analysis because you're better at it. You're going to be better at finding out what your child can do and is capable of than anybody who you drop them off for an hour or two hour or eight hour or two day deal or whatever. These are people who don't know your child and they will pick out trends of what they see in that snapshot and they may or may not believe even what you write on your on your surveys and answer your questions because they could be biased. And not look at the things that your child can do because the more things they find they can't do, the more money they get. Your child gets to be a higher level. Oh, this is a level XYZ autism. And so we get more money for those kids. And they need more therapy, so they're going to pay us more money, right? So this is really important for you to develop your own analysis skills because you don't need people to tell you what your child can and can't do you see it every day in and out but you don't pay attention potentially and when you do pay attention this is when you use those things so hi i heart astrology and jody thank you for joining me today this is a really important video because these strategies could change your life everybody so please like this video now and share it with your friends. Let's move in to the next one. We're on number five, okay? Now, strategy number five to use, this is before you even consider autism diagnosis, is to provide language models or physical. It doesn't matter what you're trying to teach your child. Eating, potty training, um, sleeping on time, not using tech, involved in your chores, anything you're teaching your child and talking is included in that list, you should be providing them with models and assistance without any expectation of outcome, okay? Because you're going to be able to help your child develop over time. There's no limit to five sessions or 30 minutes a week or, you know, the only time you have with a therapist. You've got forever, 
with your child. And every single day you can take effort towards making those changes when a finite period with a stranger, you know, you could love your speech therapist, but they're still not you, right? Okay, so you're going to demonstrate everything you want your child to learn. Everything from toothbrushing to putting on their shirts to staying in the house at nighttime, right? And you want to demonstrate all of that before you even ask your child for their participation. Look, I am staying in the house. It is nighttime. I've got my jammies on and we are not going outside anymore. That's how you demonstrate something like staying in the house. Talk out loud. Remember, we talked about what you are doing. Your child is watching and listening to you two to three hours a day. What are you showing them? Demonstrate everything. Okay. How you put your socks on everything. Okay. And the next thing you do is allow your child to refuse. You allow them to say no. If they roll their eyes at you, if they don't want to participate in whatever you're doing, you have to allow them to refuse. And then if you need them to participate, then you start negotiations, right? But refusing refusals is not going to help your child overcome the fact that sometimes you have to do things that you don't want to do. You have to start to negotiate. If you force your child to do things, guess what they're going to start to do? Remember, they model and do everything you want your child to learn. If you force them to do things, they're going to start to force you to do things. And you won't tolerate that. And so you don't want that either, right? The next thing about this one is to always provide assistance when your child appears to need it, okay? They're going to show you when they're struggling, okay? And you step in and talk about their struggle and help them out. Oh, you're trying to get that cookie way on the top shelf. And even if you don't want them to have that cookie, you need to help them understand that this is not cookie time because you've got boundaries too, so always provide your child assistance if they appear to need it. If they're struggling with something, say, wow, that looks like it's really hard for you. I can help you if you want. So you always, again, ask your child's permission before you step in and guide them hand over hand. Them. No, do it this way. You're not doing it right. Ask their permission because they are trying in their best way and you need them. You need your child to try in their own way because if you just model and puppet them through every single thing they do, then they're never going to learn to do it on their own. You're always going to have to be there puppeting through it. And pretty soon they're going to be prompt dependent and expect you to puppet them through the whole thing. A lot of parents who have kids who aren't doing things they want them to be doing, they sort of force the issue and push them through. And they say, now my child's doing it, look. But who was actually pulling the strings on this puppet situation, right? It's literally a, a standard therapy practice puppeting, hand over hand, all of that stuff. There's no need for you to hand over hand anything with your child at home ever, unless they literally need your support to do it. And then they allow you to help them because you have a stronger grip or something like that, that they literally physically need your help. OK, and they will let you help them when they need your help. So if you find that you're trying to hand over hand, help your child do stuff and they pull away from you all the time, they are telling you that that's not cool. Remember, all behavior is communication. When your child pulls away from you, it means something. It means this isn't working for me. I need a new approach. And it's up to you as the 
interventionist to find a new approach. You would expect the same of your therapist. If they were doing something that your child wasn't into and they didn't like, would you expect them to push through and make your child do it? Or would you hope that they would find a new way to make that job easier and happier and safer and get those other kinds of behaviors out of your child that show that they're safe and curious and interested and focused? Because you can facilitate that behavior just as easily as you can facilitate a kiddo whacking you. You can make a kid cry at the drop of a hat. Therapists know how to do it immediately. Sometimes they make kids cry on purpose. Don't let that happen to you. Don't let that happen to you. Be in control over what you do. You can make the so all the situations easy, happy, safe, and fun by doing these strategies. All right. Let's move in to number six. All right. Number six is here. And that is where you are going to organize your daily opportunities for fun exploration. Okay. A lot of kids who look like they're autistic or they they show those red flag symptoms, they don't know what to do with themselves. Um, Could be because they were addicted to tech and they don't know anything how to play anymore. Um, Could be because for any kind of reason. And here's how you overcome this, okay? You incorporate familiar sensory activities that your child uses for regulation. Incorporate, not avoid. If your child loves to run, you better have a lot of running. Your child loves to jump, you got jumping involved. Your child loves to scream, you better get outside and do a lot of loud noise things, okay? And work on regulating those behaviors. That is how you move through this whole process, okay? Now, you also want to fuel your child's preferences and superpowers, okay? It's the same kind of as the first one here where you really want to integrate them. But if your child has one thing that they are obsessively loving, music, trucks, dinosaurs, whatever, go all in with those things. Do it. There's a million things on a theme available to you. Books, puzzles, games, videos, Everything. You can draw pictures. Everything. You can talk about your child's preferences and superpowers. That's how you bring out those skills that you find with your analysis, okay? You also need to be responsible to find new experiences to introduce that are related to and can expand these superpowers and preferences your child loves, okay? If they love trains and they only want to play with their one little train because they love Thomas and they've got that one, you have to find ways to incorporate other trains and show your child that the world is bigger than just their one favorite thing because they don't know that their kids. They need people like teachers and parents and interventionists to show them new things that are super fun to broaden their horizons so they can understand that they can share these ideas with other people, okay? That they don't have to keep all in their world. When they see new things, they want to share new things with you and other people. All right, now involve your child in the setup and cleanup of these fun activities. They are messy. They are whatever but they are your child really wants to do them because they're the things they love so involve them in the setup and cleanup and you're going to help yourself feel happy through these fun activities and make the whole job easier and of course just be your child's biggest cheerleader and that's very important because 
everybody else is remember keep picking the things that your child's not doing and they're all like needing them to get up they're pulling skills out of your child with this method instead of meeting the needs teaching to the test or whatever that you would be doing with individual skills that you can test this is a way to set your foundations for your child to overcome whatever it is that's causing them to look autistic okay if your child looks autistic to you to your friends to your doctor to a lot of other people then you could get a diagnosis because like i said the whole reason you came up with the idea to get a diagnosis in the first place is because you think enough in your head you have some suspicion that your child could potentially have this neurological disease that is you know a massive thing to overcome right and it, it causes heartache it causes stress it causes things that you don't that will block your process because just like your child has to have a healthy physiology a healthy emotional body and a healthy environmental space to learn and grow and develop in so do you okay and pressure from outside because they are financially motivated to hurry you along through this process it could be contributing to the stress that's keeping you frustrated right now okay and and you can avoid that you can avoid it all by these strategies that i gave you today all right so let's go through them one more time i've got a summary video or a summary text for you here whoops last one there they are all six strategies right here six strategies to consider before you even go make that diagnosis and if you made the diagnosis appointment you know keep it or whatever but do these while you're waiting and you may find yourself canceling and that's what happens a lot is people make that appointment because they're worried or freaked out or whatever reason that you decide to do it because it's fear and you try these things and then you maybe you have to wait months for the appointment or weeks at least and by the time literally you do these skills for these strategies for two weeks time you're going to see enough difference in your child to understand how impactful you are all right so here they are decrease exposure to tech increase exposure to speech Number three, focus on physical wellness. Number four, self-analyze behaviors your child is doing to understand their child and what they're communicating to you. Un provide models and assistance without expectations and organize daily opportunities for fun exploration where you can do new things and show your child how to get through life like we used to do before we had phones like we used to do before we had ASD diagnosis like we used to do before we had even speech therapy right parents have been teaching their kids to develop their developmental skills long before there was even school right now you can take lessons from them and use these strategies yourself to help yourself through so i'm certainly glad that you are here watching today because that means that you are open-minded and responsible for finding what works for your child and if you are interested in coaching through this entire process that's what i do i help parents take their kids from nonverbal communication which all kids use by the way into unprompted spoken language using strategies like this and self 
guided custom programs for families to use in their home to get you through the entire process. And I have a lifetime coaching program because I know the progress goes like this. It's called waves of communication because progress goes up and down. You could be in one of those slumpy times right now, feeling like nothing is working, okay? And if you're in that space, I'm sending you lots of love, lots of support, because that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to equip and empower parents like you to find the solutions you need that can work for you, okay? And if you go to my website, wavesofcommunication.com, you can watch a 90-minute video to learn how to access and use all the resources on my platform, everywhere from free videos, more than 300 videos here on YouTube, to uh, my book, I, it's written audio, I have an online program, and I have custom coaching programs. There is something for every parent to benefit. So there's no reason to fear any kind of diagnosis. You can avoid it completely, potentially. And if you decide to go and get that diagnosis so that you can get that specialized intervention that might help your child overcome, you're going to understand and the investment is going to feel better to you because you know that this situation can help you instead of just do what everybody else is doing and take your kid for an autism diagnosis because they look like everybody else in this spectrum of disorder. You know, find out what's really going on. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I hope this content has inspired you to create your own positive language facilitation action plan for this week. If you enjoyed this broadcast, you're in luck. There are tons of resources across our Waves of Communication platform, all designed to help you teach your child to talk. There are more than 350 free videos on our YouTube channel, a daily blog on Facebook with opportunities for live Q&A, my book, If It Isn't Fun, It Isn't Fun, available on Amazon, and my coaching programs, including a free 90-minute introductory class. Learn about everything we do for language facilitators on our website, wavesofcommunication.com. If you benefited today, please consider subscribing to the channel and sharing the resource with others. This little exchange is free for you and really helps us grow the platform to reach more parents and caregivers around the world. I'll be back next week with more information and strategies to help you continue on your language facilitation journey. This is Marcy Melzer, intuitive speech and language pathologist, saying bye for now.